This is Saster's Founders Favorite series, where you can hear some of the best of the best from Saster speakers. This is where the cloud meets. Feeling the blues after all the great content from Saster Annual 2019 has come and gone? Join us in Paris for Saster Europa, coming up June 12th and 13th. Use the code FAVE15 and get 15% off just for tuning in. Got a lot of chairs to pick from. Yeah. I'll take the red one. All right. I'll take the white one. We're good. Hey, everybody. Do you ever get lunch? We're feeling awake, right? No, after lunch is when you feel sleepy. Not yet. Assuming they Not had yet. turkey. Soon. We're going to get there. All right. So we're here to talk about how to build a high-growth company that's an ethical company and a lot of the decisions that go along the way with uh, how to lead a company like that and how to, how to think through some hard, hard things that come up when you're trying to build a, a great company but also do the right thing. So it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart. We're on the other side of this. You've, you have you know, obviously already built something that is quite you know, scaled and has been you know, one of the platforms we all rely on. Everybody knows Twilio. And I think we're at the other end of this where uh, I don't know how much background people have on us, but we uh, used to be Fog Creek Software. Has anybody heard of Joel Spolsky or Fog Creek Software or Trello? So um, we were a company that built all those things, but we started over again and renamed the company. And now we're like, oh, crap, we got to grow. We got to do this. Can we do it in a thoughtful way? Well, I feel like Fog Creek has a very long history of being very thoughtful. I mean, Joel is, how many people know Joel Spolsky? Hey. He's just a very, very thoughtful leader. Um, uh, it has been for 20 years mm -hmm. in building Fog Creek, and now you've taken over the reins and, and really, I think, following that, that legacy. You know, one of the things that always strikes out to me, how many of you follow Anil on Twitter? Oh, I apologize. <laughs> uh, well, we're, we're actually just talking. You have 600,000? Something like 600, that. 600,000 yeah. followers. And you use the pulpit you have on Twitter in a really amazing way because you're always tweeting some of the most thoughtful and insightful, but also, you know, ethically correct things <laughs> in a way that it, not always. I'm trying. Not yeah, every, I, some I, of them I make, are I make stupid, a lot of mistakes. But, uh, but for the most part, I think you're incredibly thoughtful about how to use this audience that you've um, amassed on Twitter mm -hmm. to be a CEO who also um, speaks your mind about what's right and in ways where you take positions and you take a stand. And I think a lot of uh, CEOs feel like they can't do that. You can't take a stand and you can't say what you're really thinking and you can't say what you think is right because, oh, what will people think? And I think you're a fantastic role model, Anil, of someone who says, you know what, I'm going to say what I think is right and 600,000 people can, can you know, agree or disagree, but I'm going to stand for what, I, for, for what I believe. And I think that makes you an incredibly great leader. And so, like, first of all, how do you think through how you use Twitter as this amazing uh, platform yeah. with so many, so many followers to, to, to express what you think is right? Uh, so that's very kind, first of all. Thank you. Um, I also... That's nice praise, but I also like, I, I, I say it jokingly, but I mean seriously, like I mess up all the time. So I, I, I wouldn't, uh, I'm well, First kind. of all, the, the volume of tweets you emit is truly, uh, <laughs> it, it is absolutely uh, astounding. Uh, well, I think it's sort of my method of he managing. He just tweeted four times while he was talking. <laughs> I think it's the method of managing ADD, but I think like all of, all of sort of social media broadly is the sense of like, how do we share these messages out there and what do we put out there? And, and uh, you know, years ago, uh, I was lucky, I was early on, 
Twitter, like most social media, that's the stuff that I've been doing for, for 20 years. I was, I've been blogging for 20 years. So like, this is something that's interesting to me. And, and um, after you do it for a while, one, you realize this stuff is going to be out there forever. Like whatever you put out there. And this is interesting because it's true for uh, our companies and it's true for ourselves. And so if this is going to be the persistent impression that people make of us and what they evaluate us on, how do I feel about it over time? And then all of us, every single one of us has been in a position where you were at a job and you had to keep your mouth shut and you had to put your head down and you had to put up with your boss saying something or whatever it was. And it feels awful, right? It feels miserable. And especially at a time right now, you know, I don't have to tell anybody like this moment in the world is very charged. And interestingly, like you were sort of saying, like I take a stand, but I, I feel the same way about you, which is that you speak up very clearly and thoughtfully and probably a lot more persuasively than me because you're much more even handed as I'm, you know, a little bit more of a, um, I don't know, what's the nice way to say shit stirrer. Um, and, and, and so I think there's a, there's a real, you know, a balance there. I prefer but... shit kicker. <laughs> you know, you, but you try to be thoughtful, but I think there, there's, there's, a, there's a, a continuum of how provocative you are, right? And I think you're able to make a case very thoughtfully, you know, for the issues you care about. But, but one of the striking things about the moment we're in is there are things that I didn't think we had to re-debate, right? Yeah. Like, I was like, what, when, like, what I, are we... I thought like, we solved this. Right, you know, yeah. it's the, like, don't, like, don't do behavior X is, uh, there's a lot, you know, like, the, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm old enough, like, I was a kid of the 80s, we would play video games or watch movies, and so I was playing uh, Castle Wolfenstein or watching Indiana Jones, and the bad guys were the Nazis, Right, and it wasn't like ambiguous. There wasn't like some like, how do you feel about this? Like those are the bad guys, and it was and it was so straightforward that it was like you could put it in a cartoon and people were like those are the bad guys, and I'm like I didn't think we need to revisit that, and so it did not feel and still does not feel complicated or controversial to me to be like, if somebody comes to your platform and says I want to do Nazi stuff, you're like no, you're the bad guys, don't do that yeah. here, and I didn't know, and I genuinely feel like. Am I nuts? Like, when did that get hard? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's right, there's this whole, like, we're supposed to be excited. Yeah, it's, it's worth some applause, <laughs> yes. Right, people can get confused because you're like, well, you know, we're supposed to be tolerant, we're supposed yeah. to be accepting, yeah. um, and, you know, many, many of us strive to understand how we can be more tolerant and more accepting, uh, and that's the general arc that we've been on. Right. Yet there's like this question of like, well, okay, so does that mean we have to be tolerant of Nazis? Mm -hmm. Does that right. mean we have to better understand the Nazi? And like, there was a, somebody who, who I respect a lot who was very into the punk scene, mm -hmm. and by the way, who was someone who was one of the kindest, nicest, and most accepting, and like someone I learned a lot from. Yeah. Um, and he said it best. He said, no, 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 like, the rules from the punk scene are, are how, you, how you deal with this. He's like, you see a Nazi, you punch a Nazi. <laughs> it's like, it's that easy. And there's no thought about it. And I'm like, yes. Like, you know, in, in some ways, um, some of these movements have tried to subvert that tolerance message mm -hmm. to try to say, well, what, a, what about tolerance as a complete thing? You're like, well, you need some ethical guidelines yeah. to decide what you're tolerant of and what you're not. Right. Uh, otherwise, there is no essentially basis for society anymore. Right. right. And, and I think that's the right way to, to treat our jobs as leaders, too. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and that's such an extreme example, but I look at just uh, the thing I feel responsibility to is we have a platform that people can create apps and millions of people are building stuff. And a lot of them are kids. A lot of them are people that are, it's their first time they've ever built something like coded or whatever. And... I want them to have a great, great experience. 
Right? I want them to feel like I made something. And that feeling, I mean, look, I have an eight-year-old son, and when he builds something with Legos, he feels good. And we all deserve to feel that way. And, you know, if you go to the Build-A-Bear workshop at the mall and somebody's like, why don't you let, you know, whatever hate group, and you're like, no, that's not what this is for. And I think that sense of just like a place where you can create and express yourself is really kind of sacred, right? And, and actually almost all of us that build um, companies also feel that way where like to provide a pe people with a place to work and work on something they think is meaningful is a, is a, a really high responsibility. I mean, I'm sure you feel this way too. Like how many people work at Twilio now? We're about 2,000. That's incredible, right? Which first of all, I mean, that's unbelievable. It's, it's nice to see like, people making something meaningful that's succeeding? Like three days ago, it was 1,500. <laughs> yeah, just, that SendGrid just shut up. Yeah, so mm, congratulations. So thank you. And, um, and, and so that's this, you, know, you have 2,000 people that I'm sure you feel a responsibility towards. Absolutely. And, and like, they got to feel good about what they're making. Well, and that's the interesting thing, right? I think for a long time, I mean, to me, I think the crux of what we're here to talk about today is that for a long time, it was acceptable for business leaders to not have uh, take a stance yeah. on issues of society. Yeah. And there was sort of like, okay, well, those issues, those are politics, this is our orthogonal, like business transcends all politics. And I think that has changed in mm -hmm. recent years where not taking a stand on many of the issues that our societies face today is taking a stand. Yeah. To it is tacit agreement that, yeah. with some of these things. And like, you can't take a stand on everything, right. but to take a stand on nothing also tells an, sends an important message to your employees, to your customers, to all the stakeholders that you have, it sends a really uh, important message that you have no backbone and that you're not gonna stand for anything. And even when things are, are clearly issues of right and wrong, you still are not going to take a stand. And you see this playing out, I think, in a lot of the platforms that have allowed these um, uh, the worst abuses. Let's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to find the word. Let's just call them evil. Let's just call them vil villainous <laughs> yeah. viewpoints to exist. I mean, there's a message in that. Yeah. There's a message when you say, look, you know, we are, we are going to take no ethical viewpoint on what is okay in our community and for our company and for our employees and for our shareholders and for the rest of the, the ecosystem here. That is sending a message. And our employees and our customers demand higher leadership than what a lot of companies have given. And I think that's the, that's the, the crux of what's going on right now. Yeah, you I can't think stay silent. Yeah, it's definitely a moment to raise the bar. And I think, I think if you're passive, you know, an absence of leadership doesn't mean no one will lead. It, means it just means somebody else will come in, right? So if you don't speak up, you don't stand up, you don't sort of define something. And I think, you know, and actually in the case of, you know, the, the actual bad actors, right? That's a really, that's almost a galvanizing moment. Somebody says, I want to abuse your platform to spread a message of hate or to be hurtful to people, um, hopefully that galvanizes you into action. Sometimes even with today's platforms, that doesn't. But then I think of that, that next level up, which is the, what about the more complicated scenarios, right? Like, like, again, it used to be easy to be like, you know, these are the bad guys, we're not gonna do that thing. But sometimes there's this sort of like, well, what kind of place are we gonna be? What kind of conversation are we gonna have? But I think like everybody has different Way like different ways in which ethics like meet your company. So not everybody mm -hmm. is running like a social media like this. no right. There's yeah. like three people in the world running yeah. those companies, but yeah. like then the rest of us have to deal with the types of issues that we do regularly encounter in our businesses. But I also mm -hmm. think that our job is to take ambiguous situations and to still act. Yeah. So think about like the argument that people make if you're running let's say social media. It's like well how can we tell? How can we apply some like one 
ethical standard to everything? Or how can we decide who's right and who's wrong? We're just a platform to let people speak their minds and say whatever they want. You know, like, because trying to figure out what's right and what's wrong is incredibly hard. Yeah. And I'm like, and okay, but let me get this straight. When it came down to like, how are we going to monetize this platform? Right. That was a really hard problem that you rolled up your sleeves and you right. dug in on and you figured it out. Good for you, smart people. Mm -hmm. But when it's like one like this, where it's like, well, how can we figure out who the bad people are on a platform? That's impossible. You're not willing to roll up your sleeves and give it a try? Right. That's insane. It's just a matter of will. It's not a matter of how hard it is. Well, and you're always operating in, with imperfect information. Exactly. Right. That's when what we you... do as leaders. We walk into work every day. We have imperfect information. We have to make hard decisions, and we do. And if, we, if you're not doing that in the rest of your job, you're, you're not doing your job, right? right. And so right. that's what we all do every day is operate with imperfect information and make difficult decisions and move forward with those decisions. And when we're right, great. When we're wrong, we, we fix those, those things later. And I just think that it's such a cop-out to claim that for some reason this category of problems is completely unsolvable. Right. Whereas all the other hard problems we have to solve with imperfect information, it's like, yeah, let's go, you know, like there's all the phrases about, you know, like let's change the world that every company has. Right. Yeah, this category is like, no, like we're not going to change the world in that way. Like that's too hard. And I like for me, like we, um, after the Charlottesville yeah. uh, incident uh, last year, my co-founder texted me that, that morning and was like, what would happen if we found out that Nazis were using our platform? And I said, well, you know, I'm not sure, but I, our terms of service say that, you know, you can't use our service to, uh, to do anything that's illegal or to incite violence, et cetera. I was like, so I'm pretty sure that, like, if you were actually spreading hate via, say, text messages using Twilio, that we would have the right basis to be able to shut down. And the question but then was, well, but what if they were just organizing the rally mm. where the, the content of how they were using Twilio was just, Hey, everybody, you know, show up at 8 a.m., mm. right? And it was like, well, there's no hate in that message itself, yet we know in our, in our, in our hearts like, that, judgment, that, is, right. that that is what. And so I just, I just said, I, I, I texted our, our, um, our, our GC, our general counsel, and I said, figure out how to add to our terms of service this week a prohibition on hate groups. Mm. Yeah, I'm pleased. And, and, and it was just, to me, it was like, like, we just have to figure out a way. Like, so if the per, and what we ended up with was, and actually I, I, I tweeted out the red line yeah. so that anybody could adopt this language if they want, which was basically said, if your group's primary purpose is hate, then you're not allowed and we'll kick you off. And what I wanted to do is make it crystal clear both to anyone inside of Tulio who might have that job of like, oh, shoot, I just found out about this account that is like, mm -hmm. they should know what to do, and also make it clear to our customers and everybody else. And all these people replied saying, well, how are you going to know? Like, how could you tell, how do you get to decide if it's a hate group? And I'm like, well, I don't know. It's my company. I'll do it. Mm. Like, we'll just, we, we, we have ambiguous things. We make hard decisions all the time. And if we look at it and like, you know what? It seems like your primary mission in life is hate. Then you're not allowed here and we'll just shut you off. But, but you know what's so interesting is. And they were like, well, how can you just decide that? I'm like, I don't know. It's a, my company. I get to do those things. <laughs> right. But, but I mean, which is a good answer. I, yeah, I mean, that is the answer, It's a nice right? answer and if like, you've got it. But and I'm I'll like, deal with that. Like, okay, we will get a little less revenue or something. I'm like, okay, well, that's a trade-off I'm happy to make. But, but think about this of all the other places where we do that. So if you look at uh, what I think a lot of you deal with as like platforms or when you partner with companies, if you have an API, uh, rate limiting, right? How much can you use our service? What's abuse, right? And you have some number. This many requests per this much time is, is you're using our services too much. And then every once in a while, somebody's like, oh, we, we had a bug and we were exceeding the limits. Or we had a, a bunch of customers and we exceeded the limits. And you work it out. 
You're like, uh, you know what? We'll figure. It, we'll take care of you. It's not a big deal. Or you pay a little more. We solve the problem. But it is 100% a judgment call as to whether you make the exception. And nobody says, how can you possibly judge whether somebody has transgressed against the policy, the terms of service, for how much they can access your service? It's an easy, you're like, of course that's your call to make. And then even going all the way into um, where, where do you make your money? Where do you get paid for? And this that's alignment. That's the issue for yeah. a lot of these right. folks, right? right? You know, you make a lot of money when you have people, you know, saying hateful things that both elicit the support as well as the response, right. and everyone just yelling at each other. Right. And well, when you metrics, make money, it drives analytics. It looks like activity on the platform. Yeah, right. And that's the problem that becomes existential for some folks. But you know, like I don't want to dwell too much on like the problem yeah. of social media because there's so many different um, companies in here. I, how many people are running a global social media company? <laughs> All right. So let's move on to some other topics. Yeah. Um, but I mean, to me, it's a great example though of how to apply an ethical filter as you build your company. Because you don't want to get into a spot where some companies are now, where their, their, their existence is dependent essentially upon this dynamic. Right. And so solving this problem does start to become existential for them. Uh, and so how do you not get into a spot in the first place where you build along the way ethics into your decision making to prevent your company from getting into a spot where suddenly you're dependent upon uh, Nazis for revenue? <laughs> um, right. What, you know, as I've always thought about it, like there's certain... Um, there are, there are certain objective right and wrongs in the world, hmm. you know, like human rights um, and uh, health and well-being of, of human beings and certain things like that. And so like the filter that I've always applied to some of these decisions, like when people, uh, like, you know, when, um, you know, the, the travel ban, the immigration ban, hmm. um, you know, we came out against the immigration ban because hmm. to me that was inhumane. And a lot of people said, well, that's a political issue. How did you decide to take a stance on that one? I was like, well, you know, there's certain issues that I think are basically um, issues of either racism or, or, or human rights mm -hmm. that when we don't speak up on them, we are, we are tacitly going along with them. Right, you're sort of complicit. We are complicit in it. Same thing with the um, detention of children at the border. Right. And I was, you know, it was really interesting because the story about the detention of children at the border came out, um, that was June of last year. Mm -hmm. And... You know, I remember I was on a flight. I was flying out east, and I was on the Wi-Fi, and I heard the, the recording that came out. Yeah. It was sort of like rumors, like this might be happening, but it was kind of fuzzy. It was unclear, like, is that really? That doesn't seem like something that would happen here. Is that what? And then the recordings, audio recordings came out of, like, children crying, and, and, yeah. a, and basically the, the proof came out. And I was on this airplane, and I was crying. And I was saying, I cannot believe this is happening in our country. And like I'm of Jewish descent, and my, the story of my grandparents was a story of the Holocaust and the you know the atrocities that happened in their generation, and and I was just like we can't, I, like me being silent is like someone in Germany being silent during the Holocaust. You're you're complicit, and so our job is to speak up, and I will say that I had you know so we we basically took a stance like I wrote a pretty quick blog post, mm -hmm. and well I, and I want to pause for a second because it was. It was really thoughtful and very personal. And my wife disagreed. She like nitpicked it. And she hated it. But <laughs> well, we're we're very fortunate if you have a partner that can, uh, you know, copy edit for you and revise. But <laughs> but, but I think um, it was striking to me because you here you are running a very large, very respected company that's a cornerstone of our industry, and we're really first and almost alone 
in writing about that moment. So I, I want to sort of pause for a second, because like you sort of say very casually, like I wrote this thing, but one, I assume you had people freaking out internally on your communications team or whatever, and 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 then two, I, I don't maybe you're superhuman, but don't don't you have like a oh shit moment when you hit post? Well, here's what I thought about it. So I was like very. You know, I was emotionally moved, and I was like, I don't think being silent is an option here. And by the way, I, you know, I don't have that reaction to everything. There are certain things that are wrong in our society where, like, you know, this isn't the moment, this isn't the cause, and and I don't, like, and yes, I am running a company, and yes, I don't have time. You know, my, you my your main battles. my main role or Twilio's main role in the world isn't to opine on every social issue, but there are certain ones where we cross the line as a society where I do feel like that's the right thing to do. And so in those moments, to me, there's like this, this is this an objectively, is this an issue of objective right and wrong? Mm. And when it is, when I feel that I can make the case that it's objectively wrong, and anyone who disagrees with that, I am comfortable with them quitting my company, taking their business elsewhere, et cetera. I'm like, you know what, if they believe that we should put children in cages, I'm okay with them not working here. I'm okay not taking their money. Like, I'm, I'm okay with that. Because you think about those are the consequences. And so it's like, if, but if there's like this thing where like... So if I you're just, willing to accept the consequences... If you're willing to accept the consequences. It. Or like I could have investors say, you know what? I don't want to be a part of this. Um, and so, you know, that applies. Like if any of those things happen, what I feel like, you know what? That's fine. That's how I sort of think about it. So you think about the, the worst things that can happen. And then you think about the, mm. would I be comfortable with that? And like, I was like, hell yeah. And so that's to me how the lens that I use. And so like I wrote the post and I like sent it to, you know, I sent it to my wife. So the reason she was unhappy is because I sent it to her to, to give me feedback and then I published it before she gave me the feedback. <laughs> that's um, a bad move in general. Like, I, know, I, don't know, I've been, I know, but I didn't know when I've she was going to get like, to I don't it. Know, 15 and years I was like, and I'm, I'm like, like playing crying that. and I'm like, I got to post this. Yeah. Um, but I did, you know, I like gave a heads up. Don't, I, don't post angry and probably don't post yeah, it's crying. That's probably true. Yeah. But, um, uh, but I did, like, I sent it to our comms people. I said, A, heads up, and B, like, feedback, or tell me I'm crazy. Mm. Tell me I'm absolutely on the wrong side of this, of this issue. And I'm, one of the things I feel so blessed is that I work with people who I think also see the world in a similar way, mm -hmm. and they're supportive uh, of that, you know, because there are a lot of companies that would be like, whoa, well, hold on, like, yeah. you know, and, and I feel like, generally speaking, um, uh, we see similarly these types of issues. But th there's and, an interesting thing here I, I want to push into, which is there's a... There's almost a what are you afraid of moment, right? Because you talked about a willingness to have people quit, to have customers quit, which, which is the one that I'm like, we have a small company. I'm like, ooh, that's, that's where it gets real, right? But like, there's like the, the regrets you could have. So am I more likely to, to post this and then have customers quit or employees quit or investors quit for whatever that means? Like, and then be like, oh man, I really screwed up. Like, yeah, we should have those kids in the cages because I needed that revenue. Mm. Um, or am I more likely to sit here a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, seeing what our country did mm. and seeing I was silent. I didn't stand up. And I didn't use the ability that I have um, right. as, a, as a leader to make the point and to try to rally um, other folks to say, you know what, this is not okay and we're gonna stand up for it. I thought the regrets that I would have were much greater on the latter side, mm. that I would regret not ha regret having been silent. And you felt this was a very personal thing to you and your family's history in that context too, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so that, that sort of galvanizes it. I'm, I'm curious, because I, I feel like courage is contagious, because like, how much for you is speaking up on something also a desire to make it possible for others to speak up? I, I do think that's important. I think all of us as leaders, I mean, that's why I think the positions that, that you take in expressing your mind are really 
um, fantastic because not only are you running a company, but you also have a huge following. So the Amplify, like I've got like 10,000 followers. I got nothing, like no one knows when I talk. But for you, it's like you've got a, an amazing ability to influence uh, a large number of people. And so I think the, like the bigger our audience and the bigger uh, our, our ability to influence is, the greater that responsibility is to use it wisely. Not just what we, what we tweet or whatever, but when we don't tweet, when we don't take an, a stance. And I believe that our, we are now in an era because of the, the, the politics of our era and what is happening in our societies, but also because of the nature of many of our younger uh, like workers and customers, yeah. you know, millennials in general is a broad category. It's like they expect us to take a stand. And, that's and, the, of... and to not do it is, 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 is just as strong as, as taking a stand that's a bad one.